Podcast World with Shake and Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of the Foul Eye Podcast. And again, we're on this kick. Wild Foul 2020-21 Duck and Goose Season 196. Pages of pure genius in the giant annual gear issue. We've covered it all. This whole series has been dedicated to the American duck hunter, the Canadian duck hunter, the world duck hunter. I don't care if you're on the Columbia River Basin, the Platte River in Nebraska, the flooded timber of Arkansas, the marshes of Louisiana, the Cajun country, the best food in America. I don't know how many times I've gained 15 to 20 pounds on a three-day camp to Honey Break or even south of there in the real Cajun country of Louisiana. Today, I'm honored and humbled to have the guests with us. Of course, let's welcome back my co-host, Mr. Skip Knowles, the one and only, the, the man that is responsible for putting this gear issue together with his team at Outdoor Sportsman's Group. Skip, welcome back. And again, congratulations on such a beautiful magazine. How are you, my brother? Very good, man. It's a heck of a labor of love, and I'm just really excited to get this one on the books, and I appreciate you helping us celebrate it. Everyone's getting excited. The hunting season's coming so quick, and uh, I mean, it used to be like it would never come, it would never come, and now it's like you can't get everything done you need to before season starts. It's here in six weeks or so. Yeah, it's crazy. It's almost honest, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that COVID's gone and we can actually enter some different states and maybe even Canada. I'm very honored to have one of my best friends in the hunting world. I've met this guy six, uh, let me think, 2015, for 2013, seven years already, Marty Hatch from Arkansas. This man is one of the kindest, sweetest. Him and his wife have accepted me into their southern family, and he can absolutely put us on mallards. He's got some of the best dogs. You've seen him on the Foul Life, Timber. He's got some dogs. You've heard Marty sing the Pitbull smash hit Timber when Timber does the, his thing in the Duckwood. So we're honored to have Marty Hetch. He's one of the best boat operators there is, whether he's crappy fishing, crappie fishing, however you pronounce it in the South, as well as chasing mallard ducks in Arkansas. Marty, I know you love duck hunting. Are you itching for the dog days of summer to be over? Uh, especially right now, it's extremely warm here in Arkansas. We got a lot of humidity. Um, so yeah, the dogs are laying low right now, unless you have them in some water. But uh, But we're itching to go. And just so that you know, we're expecting Nellie to come into heat this week. So no way. I've been thinking. Yeah. I've been waiting for the text. We're yeah, gonna there's have- a lot of excitement around here, and I guarantee you, Timber's ready to go. So <laughs> <laughs> we've got all that going here, and uh, so. But uh, but we're always getting ready. We're always working on something. So thanks for having me. No, I love having you around, and I tell people, if you ever want to enjoy duck camp the way it was intended, you invite Marty Hatch, because not only will you get them, and not only will you cook them right, but you will absolutely laugh until your ribs fall out of your body. This man is hilarious. Marty, thanks for being here. Our third guest, last but not least, is the owner, the founder, the designer of the Gator Tail Surface Drive, the outboards, the Gator Tail, what you would call a mud motor, a boat motor, just powerful as all get up, and, and honestly, I've driven them all i've ridden them all i've rode them all i've handled them all i've operated them all i'm not the world's best boat operator but i'm telling you what where i've come in the last three to four years i'm very proud i always talk about how much practice it takes not to be intimidated and just practice in the off season practice 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 but where i'm going with that is that the operational um, methods that this man has put into his motors the ease of use with the gator tail surface drives and outboards is my favorite platform that i've ever had had and it's just so easy to to get into your duck holes you're safe they're secure and we're going to go over a lot of the things that go into it today kyle broussard from gator tail welcome my man thank you thank you nice happy to be here and um i had you on and i don't know and don't take this as an insult but i got sweet tea um i know this is not what sweet tea is supposed to look like in the south right marty and kyle but my question is when you go to a restaurant is it half and half? Is it all sweet tea? Or do you just get tea and add a little bit of Splenda, Kyle Broussard? No, you know, actually down here, we have uh, sweet tea and we have unsweet tea. It's not like in some of y'all next to the woods where it's only sweet tea. So yeah. still in South Louisiana, we do have unsweet tea. And do you do half and half or do you do just unsweet? I do unsweet, kind of like black coffee. I mean, it just, it, it's, it's either some acquired taste, I guess. Marty, do you, rec- do you prefer a half and half like I do? I like unsweet. You come around these parts, you're going to find both. You're going to have a kettle of both. So, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of half and half. And then we got a lot of, a lot of, in the summertime, 
we got a lot of lemonade uh, half with, uh, you know, sweet tea or unsweet tea. And then maybe a, a another choice beverage. Um, <laughs> I think they call them John Daly's, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure about that. But there's a lot of tea consumed in these parts. I promise you. And John Daly being from the state of Arkansas, and he's a friend of mine, and he did take like the Arnold Palmer and put his own twist on it, which suits his personality. Perfect. But uh, there's so much what I love about Arkansas and getting south of there when you get to like Monticello, Arkansas, Marty, and then you get over into Louisiana and you're up in northern Louisiana and you get down to like Monroe and West Monroe or Mojo and Duck Commander is. And then he goes a little bit south of there and central and you got honey break. And then when you get down to that Cajun country, um, duck hunters like to eat, but the, the culture of the industry, the culture of what we get to do and that 60 day season down there and 105 day season out where I'm at. If you start in Canada, early goose, you can hunt all the way till the end of May if you want to chase snows up into the Canadian provinces. So Skip and I have been going over not just the gear in the issue, but the culture of Wild Wildfowl Magazine. And there's nothing more, there's no more culture in the world, in my opinion, than there is in Duck Camp, and especially in your guys' parts. Duck Camp in the South is way different than Duck Camp in California or the Boise River in Idaho or North Dakota on the Missouri River by if you're if you're hunting over in the western part of that state. And there's something special about the tea and the crawfish boils and the fish fries and the and the grills and the campfires. And there's just something different the aura of the southern part of our country and southeast and i'm talking maybe mississippi louisiana arkansas maybe a little bit of western alabama not sure a little bit of southern kentucky tennessee it's a very special place and i'm so humbled to get to go there kyle when you're when you're coming up in that part of the country is culture a huge part of your family's life and was it always the so the socializing and the camaraderie and there's a lot of socializing around big tables of food and crawfish boils and church and i and i and all of that was has that always been played a vital role in your life kyle before you started the brand gator tail no, absolutely, Chad, and 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 that's why we have to drink unsweet tea is because we eat so much rice and gravy down here, and we got to make back up for it with the unsweet tea instead of the sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, that's how I mean. Growing up, it was all all around beer camp, duck camp. It was, I mean, that's the culture, you know. Like right now, we are uh, spraying and taking care of uh, duck ponds, duck leases, everything now. It's a year, a year long, all year long, we work on WSS. And Marty, you're kind of the same way to where you, you spending so many days in the woods. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody. Marty, how old are you? 45? You my age, right? 47. 47. I don't, I don't know if anybody runs as hard as you do for Mallard Ducks. And the thing that I love about the way you hunt is that it seems like there's always a boat and always a, a, a surface drive, uh, the gator tail on it, and you love it. I mean, there's even been summers where you're in the, in the crappie holes all the time with the same kind of setup. The culture of, of what you do for that 60-day season, do you, like, get giddy when you see that boat, when you walk out in the morning and you're walking down that wood sidewalk at Prairie Wings or you're up at, at Two Rivers or somewhere up and where you're hunting around uh, around that part of Arkansas by Jonesboro, do you get giddy at 47 years old, Marty? Do you get fired up and like get that feeling? And I know you're hunting with your son now and you got BA and all of these badass friends down in that part of the country, but do you still just look at this and go, God, I'm so happy I'm a duck hunter that gets to ride in a boat every day? Oh, absolutely. And, um, I, I I do, and everybody as I as a young man in my twenties, um, of course I originate from Indiana. Been fortunate enough to be around these parts for almost twenty years now, and uh, you know just didn't wasn't raised in an area that was heavily populated by waterfowl. We had some passing migrate migrating waterfowl in our area, and I was just nuts about it. And uh, everybody, you know, that I would try to learn something from. We had a lot of old timers. My grandfather was from Wisconsin, from Rice Lake. And, um, you know, I was just crazy with it. I always had a Ducks Unlimited shirt on or I just always had a lab with me. And it, and it was people said that's going to go away. He said that's, that 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 goes with your youth. And um, I think for my pocketbook, it would have been a lot better for it just to fade off. Uh, but but it hasn't. I'm 47, and I invest a, a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, and it's just still a, a passion. It's just there. And uh, so, yeah, 
I still get real giddy about it. I, there's not a day that goes by. I've already talked to three different people today about waterfowl hunting this fall. What, you know, who, what, what fields, you know, were too wet to plant, um, you know, who picked up certain leases. I mean, it's, it's, it's July to hundred degrees. And I've already talked to at least three people today about duck hunting. And it's, it's a uh, skip. When you think about what we're talking about with the way that Marty and Kyle hunt, waterfowling has that word water in it and i'm not saying that being under them in a cornfield in north dakota is not neat and being in a pea field in saskatchewan in late september and seeing mallards and pintail and widgeon do their thing isn't cool it's nice but there's something different about when you start to hunt off in a boat skip you've been on hunts with me in arkansas skip i know you've hunted with the mojo crew you've hunted with the the gator tail crew there's something about getting in my boat that just makes the day start different than pulling into a dry field. And I love Canada goose hunting. I love speck hunting in, in, in different parts of California and dry rice or whatever. But there's something different, gentlemen, about the boat and the motor and the, and, the, and the role that it plays in my mentality about hunting. When I'm not in it, I think about it. When I'm in the dry field, I want the timber. I want the water. I want the Louisiana. Skip, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's water fouling for a reason. And I don't want to take away that special time in the dry fields. I, I don't. I don't want to get, take away that. I love what Vandemore's doing, Habitat Flats, and the flooded corn. It's all relative, but there's something about being in a boat. Do you agree, Skip? Yeah, field hunting's a lot of fun, and I, I dig it. It's convenient, and uh, that's where you see those flops of you know 500 mallards. Um, and th th there's a lot to be said for that. But um, I'm 100 with you on, on water putting the water back in waterfowling. I've been fortunate to hunt all over the world, all kinds of big game. My wife thinks I have another family in Argentina, but my earliest hunting memories are as a, a four-year-old stumbling behind my dad in a, a South Texas marsh down there near Corpus Christi and flying along those little creeks in a 16-foot extra-wide jumbo. Probably cost $2,000 back then. <laughs> but yeah, there's just nothing like it. This is, I call this the the guns and, and gear and dog disease, you know, waterfowling and and it's a great big part of our fun is gear, man. Gear is fun. And boats are just our post-apocalyptic styles of boats that we use. They're, they're like nothing else in the world, these, these uh, long shaft motors and everything. It's all part of the fun for sure. Okay, so let's get into it. We're talking about uh, – uh, I don't know if you guys have – has everybody in here seen the magazine? I haven't. I haven't seen the new one. You haven't. It's all just right. ending a lot of places now. It's just now getting to most people. But it's very well done, and there's an awesome section on boat and motors, and it goes through a lot of different things um, that are that are coming out. Some have already been out. Kyle, when you think about what's what's out there, and what if you can see that, Kyle? I don't know if you if you can see that in the camera, but there's the gator tail right there. Awesome. The EFS. Um, what was your mission? What did you were you tired of 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 getting to the hole too slow? Was the outboard not working? Were, did you see some improvement that could be made in the mud motor market? What was your thought process going into the design of the current platform at Gatortail? Yeah, the way the way this started off was uh, we we ran the long tail back in the day, and uh, uh, we couldn't catch out. Was taking clients uh, hunting for uh, a business, off field business that my mom and dad had when I was in college, and uh, I was taking clients hunting, and uh, it was just too efficient, inefficient. The long tail, um, it just took too long. We couldn't carry enough people. It was unsafe. So I, uh, I started running the outboard motor, and uh, it worked fine. And I mean, I had been running outboard motors all my life, but. In that particular marsh lease that I had, I started running an outboard motor, and uh, it would work until the water would go down. And um, when the water would get low, we had to get back into the long tail. And it was just, it was too inefficient. It, it didn't work. So I had an idea to have to come up with a better, a better mousetrap. And that's, that's where it started. That's 100% that's where it started, how I designed it, Pecan Island, Louisiana, uh, and the, in January, when the cold fronts were coming through and you know you'd be running a long tail you'd actually get stuck in the long tail, get out push the boat and it just it was it was it was nasty and that's how I, that's how i got started marty when you think about the evolution of the way you travel into your holes i know that you had a long shaft at one time don't know what if it, you know what manufacturer it was from there's several long shafts available still 
But I remember when you got into the edge with that gator tail and the text you were sending me and the pictures you were sending me and you're like, you got to be kidding me. Just like the smooth of operation and the, 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 the consistency and the balance and everything you just said was felt different. Right, Marty? Yeah, I, I was blown away. Um, I did. I, I had a long tail. Um, it was either a go devil. I think it was actually a mud buddy brand. And it, it, I'll never forget one time um, we put in the Cash River when the river was up at, at uh, McCrory. And, and I really thought that I was going to tump the boat. I mean, I literally, you know, got sideways, pinned the tree the whole nine yards and I had nowhere to go. And it was, it, it was about the last time that I ever, you know, was able to have confidence in my equipment with that long tail. So when you, when you helped me get into the gator tail, um, I, I was, I was absolutely blown away. Um, just the way that the, the I call it the float. And I, I don't even know if that's the correct terminology, but you know, the way that, um, it would, it would balance itself with propulsion. Um, you know, and, 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 and I, I just, I, I had been, uh, I had driven a few others where, you know, you manually control the, um, I want to say tilt, maybe for the, the lack of better words, terminology, but it was either bury the thing in the mud and rev it to max its RPMs to get a whole shot, or you couldn't get the propeller in the water far enough to get any push, you know, and with the gator tail, I mean, it just, it just floats down there and it gets in the sweet spot. I, it seems like it finds the, uh, you know, the, the bottom of the boat and it just, it just seems to always be in the right spot. I, I was blown away by the way that it steered. Um, the first one that I used, Chad, was at White Oaks Duck Woods in Augusta. And, uh, we were into a forced situation due to the water level that year that we had boat runs that, you know, we just got in that tweener situation where we didn't have enough water to run an outboard, but it wasn't dry enough to, you know, to, you'd be tearing up an ATV. So every single hunter, every single group of hunters, you know, went to that surface drive. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's still flooded timber. At the end of the day, you still have to have excellent control. You know what I mean? These aren't long straight runs, you know I mean? These are, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards, and it's, you know, 90 degree turns if, you know, that's just, they've been there for a long time. And uh, so that was my first experience, and, and it was on that edge, uh, 17 foot. And uh, it was, I, I mean, it's, that's, that's a rock star combination. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I'd run through there wide open. It felt like I had an outboard in my hand. It really did. And that's the thing about what I was saying is the combination. We talk about our skip and I have been all over this combination in our shooting system of what we depend on with our gun and our choke tube and our ammo and our sights and all that. Well, this is the same kind of deal, right? Skip, we're looking at something that one without it, we're not successful because you got to get to them, right? You got to get away from people. You got to get to where the ducks want to be. You got to find the different rafts of ducks. There's a lot of advantages to being able to access different parts of and, and making sure that you're abiding by laws and regulations of the different WMAs in a state like Arkansas. And there, you, there's a lot that goes into it, but besides the, the ease of it and everything the the, the, the purchasing factor skip is could be intimidating because these things are not cheap. But that's what's good about them is that they are worth every penny when you start thinking about where you're going to get and how many years and hunts you're going to get out of this boat and gator tail combination. Skip, when you think about what, what I just said about the, the value of this, and then you start putting into what Marty just said about the ease of use. And then what I want to talk about first, Kyle and Skip, is safety. Um, the very first thing that we look at, and I, and I know that when we're taking photos or video or whatever, is that emergency kill switch, right? You got the red, the red rubber rope around your wrist that's connected to the key that if something does happen, like Marty mentioned, Kyle, with getting wrapped up in a tree or something, is this one of the first things that we need to talk about as the safety and making sure that you abide by that of, of taking the precautions every time you start that motor? There's no doubt, Chad. And, you know, look, um, my, my, myself, I have two young boys. I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, okay? And these kids have been, these two boys have been in these boats with me since they were in diapers. And, you know, now I have the 13-year-old. He'll drive the boat to the blind while I'm a passenger just because 
of the years of trying to teach him in case something was to happen to me. And, you know, that's the number one thing. That's the first, that's the second thing. The first thing they do is put on their life jacket. The second thing is, you know, attach the kid to a land. I mean, safety is the number one factor. Uh, that's in the, in the motor by design. You know, just like y'all talked about Marta, about how, how balanced it is, how easy it is to run. That's all about design. And it's not accident. You know, that's most important. That's what it, we wanted was something easy to use, safe to use, sit down operation. And this motor is made to sit down and run. Original motor that I built 16 years ago, it was made to stand up and run. You know, and we've just come, we, we, we've gone through the evolution of the engine to where you don't want to necessarily be running 30 miles an hour in, in the in the flooded timber standing up holding onto a bar. You can actually sit down and be safe the same way that you would drive your outboard motor. So that's what that's that we 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 pride ourselves in that, you know. No, I've seen that. I've noticed it. Skip, have you have you noticed the 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 what he's talking about with the sit down part of these of these gator tails? Have you been in one? Do you operate a mud motor ever? And if you do, do you prefer it over any of the other kind of access? Because where I want I want to end this with Marty is that. I feel different when I come out of a duck hole in a boat with some mallards on a strap. Now, coming out in the in the Ranger or whatever UTV you prefer, if you get them, you get them. But there's just something special about that boat ride. When you're in a boat skip, do you take pride in it? And do you are you agreeing with Kyle of the safety and all of the things that have been put into these new style motors? It's funny because they, the the boat motor setup adds so much to the experience. If you ever go on a hunt and don't get into the ducks, you're still going to have a great time flying through the timber, especially in the dark. It's just, it's so exciting. But that also makes it so dangerous. I've been in the cache when um, we hit a big sucking whirlpools, and I, I always thought of swamps was pretty stagnant, you know, because they are where I'm from in North Florida and South Georgia. There's not much movement water. Um, we got these giant sucking whirlpools in the boat. Anybody who's done much boating is going to have stories like this. I'm sure um, all these guys do. Um, and when we got, I mean, you could dip one side of an aluminum boat and it could fill up like that when there's current. I've seen drift boats do it. I run a drift boat here on the Arkansas River. Um, but it adds so much to the experience. But I've been in boats with guys that weren't wearing life jackets and, you know, are wearing waders and that kind of current. And it's, it's not a smart combination, you know. Hundred percent, and I, I've been on the Mississippi, I've been on the Missouri, I've been on the Cash and the White, and and in different play. A lot of the t- things that you know Marty and his crew down there have shown me, and I just think that there that I wanted to start it off is that safety is key to this. You can't take it for granted. You could be the most experienced boat boat operator in the country, and just one mistake can ruin not just that day, but your entire hunting career. It's same with your gun and your ammo. It's same keeping your dog out of harm's way. Um, but the 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 most the big thing about this combination that we're talking about right now is the access and is that feeling and that aura that you get when you're going into the hole in the morning and coming out of the hole with with ducks a few ducks a strap of ducks a limited ducks whatever Uh, i think i think that one of the things that marty touched on that i really liked was how the boat feels in your hand and i think that marty it's almost like but you're a baseball player it's like when that bat's right in your hand and you're out of a slump and you're and you're hitting your three for four every game that's what that that motor it just feels a little bit different to me kind of like the super black eagle does in my hand as far as the the aesthetics and the ergonomics of that motor is on a different level to make sure to to get that feeling of ease of use safety and being able to 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 get into those deep holes oh yeah i mean there's no doubt it there is i'm glad that uh, kyle you you mentioned the fact that you know you can remain seated um chad and i don't remember if you were with us uh, or not but um i think that was a with the um, hyperdrive or the mud motors or whatever they want. I don't know the exact terminology people use for to categorize them, but you know, the, the fact that you have to stand up, um, you know, we, we get some pretty good runs when these ducks late in the year, they're going to find places where, you know, we haven't been yet. And Chad, I can think of a time that we, I think you may have been with us, but if, even if, you know, you weren't, we, we, you know, we'll run, you know, 30 minutes, we'll run three, four or five, maybe up to six miles. And, and, and I'm a bigger gentleman and I don't know about anybody else, but I don't feel like waiters have never, you know, been the most comfortable things on a big man's feet. 
So, I mean, we, we run um, that gator tail a long ways and you can, and that's, that's important. You know, we, we sit down and, and run it like an outboard, not have to be on your feet. And I'm, I'm thinking, Chad, about the time that we were actually uh, down on the Arkansas river when everything froze up um, know, maybe two years ago, but you know, we ran all day. So yeah. And, I, and that, the difference to be able to sit down. Yeah, sit down and being able to have the ability to get in that river and still have the power that you need to get into a river with some of that current that the Arkansas can have at that yeah, time of it's year. Moving. It's moving, no doubt. But let's not take away the, the the fact that just because you go out and buy this this combination, you got to practice. And preseason practice is everything to in these boats, in my opinion. Even if you're a veteran with them, it's good to get out there and just reacquaint yourself. I know it's like riding a bike for some Southerners that are called river rats. And there are river rats. I've been with people that literally I would trust with my life in a boat the way that they run these motors and access these duck holes on the backwaters, the oxbows, when the rivers get out and they navigate and they got to know their way around and they just find, they find the ducks. They're river rats. And, and that's a, I think that's awesome. I think that it'd be awesome to have that accreditation as a river rat because you're so good at it, but it takes practice. What do you tell people? What do your dealers tell people, Kyle? Is it something that you say, get out and practice and run this deal in the summer and get acquainted with it? Understand what Marty meant with the tilt and how you, all of the different gadgets on this, on this gator tail, what, what can, what do you tell them to do as far as getting ready to, for duck season with it? But Chad, I think that that is what what has made our 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 business and our our motor so successful is that um, it's not only a one season outboard motor like what the long tail was. This is now a four season outboard motor. Um, it's comfortable enough to where you know you can use it for twelve months out of the year. Uh, you know, not where everything is froze over, but it, it's. I mean, people down here like today. I, I had I have one in my in my shop right now. That the motor is a year old and has 960 hours on it. So I had I had a customer last week or two weeks ago that put a video. The motor was 14 months old and it had 6,600 hours. So this is commercial fishing, guys. Okay, and what they do is they use this thing 24/7 for uh, commercial crow fishing. You know, uh, but. Even even recreational guys will put 100 hours a year at least just because they can use it. They can use it to go bass fishing. They can use it to go broccoli, crappie, you know, whatever we're going to call it. They can use it to go red fishing in the marsh. They can use the boat year-round so you have practice using it rather than the whole long tail that only went 12 miles an hour and you had to stand up and drive it and it was a death wish. Now we have something that's comfortable, and, and, and that was the theory behind it. That's what we wanted. Uh, now the engines come EFI, 40 horsepower EFI. So I mean, this thing idles at a lower RPM than what the old the old long tails used to uh, idle at. So it's very safe to use. And uh, just it's more reliable. And and so it doesn't take you you, you want to use it more often than just hunting season compared to the ones that are hard to drive and and, and very hard to maneuver. Marty, do you do you think that with what Kyle's saying about that? year-round deal is is it true marty be honest 100 percent honest is it you're a boat that you enjoy crappie fishing in with that style of a motor is it safe to use in that is it easy to stop and get into a hole where the crappies are biting and hammering right there start it up again and get going and maneuver through some stumps at a place like real foot lake in western tennessee and get to where the fish are and knowing what you just accomplished in duck season and now you're tearing up the crappie for the for the grease is it really worked that way marty or would you rather have something else for that type of year and is is kyle just trying to sell us on 12 months when it's really just a, a four-month kind of deal <laughs> no i i think that there's a definite application for it you know i mean depend on the water levels there again you know the white river is a great example there's so many great oxbow crappie you know locations along the white river it's crazy and uh you know when that when the river starts to fall out and you could you know you want to be the first guy in there um you know it's it's a great tool to be able to jump and get into these oxbows and then, so it's, it's, it's versatile. It, it'll, it'll, in a low water situation, it'll get you over the levee to get you in the oxbow. And that part, you know, that's exciting. But once you're in there, you know, with the big thing is, is, you know, I mean, with the reverse, that, 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 
you know, long tail, you know, there was no reverse. Hell, there wasn't reverse on that I can remember on the, on the first hyperdrives. I, I, you know, I remember, you know, but there, there's reverse, there's low idle, you know, you can get in there and scout around. You don't have to be like he said, you know, running, you know, the things running full bore. So, I mean, it, it you know, they're quieter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, they, they can be useful. Um, you know, I see them every day. I, I personally, I've got a 22 foot war Eagle. If I'm going to go, you know, over to Grenada or Sardis or somewhere, I personally don't use a hyperdrive on that lake, but I see them every time I go. I mean, it's, you know, I remember 10 years ago when a guy used to say, what the, what, what is that? You know, look at the rooster tail on that thing, or it sounded a little different. You know, I mean, you got to notice and I see them over there, you know, I see them everywhere. Uh, but especially I see them all the time. A lot of guys want to get up. They want to, they want to wade fish for crappie. A lot of them are taking, you know, a gator tail and moving up into the shallows, getting out, they wade fish for crappie. So I agree a hundred percent. And it's not even with whether I agree with Kyle or not. It's the fact that they're out there, they're used 12 months out of the year and I see them all the time. So I ran, I ran, I ran mine on last Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I've been doing a little, I don't know if you guys have been seeing any of our social, but we've been doing a couple duck property restorations and we've been running them like crazy and i'm just so i get so giddy but there's something about putting on breathable waders in july and and one thing that we don't have to worry about that you two have to worry about is that when i'm doing this kind of work in july and i step out of i let go of that gator tail skip and i step out i don't have a bunch of cotton mouse trying to bite my leg off and that's <laughs> another thing that that gator tails potentially could be good for is getting away from a cotton mouth right marty uh, anything to get away from a cotton mouth is good. Uh, I don't care what it is. I say we turn it around and use it against them if we have to, but uh, we got plenty of them around. There's no doubt about it. Well, Louisiana's so. got them too, right, Kyle? Oh, my oh God. dude, we have a little bit of everything. You don't want to step out right now if you don't have to. <laughs> hey, hey, Skip, what, when, you hear, when you hear a guy that builds these for a living talk, do you think your magazine does a good job of getting that reader, that potential in consumer, the initial details and descriptions that he or she may need to at least spark that light bulb or let that, let that curiosity start to set in like, man, I'm looking, I need to get me into a, a, I need one of these setups. Do you think that the magazine can do that? Or do you have to see live video of what Marty refers to as a rooster tail? Do you have to see the holes that we get into? Do you have to see the smiles on my face when I'm driving it, knowing that I'm from Lake Tahoe and now I'm in a mud boat in the South chasing mallard ducks because Marty invites me like, do, do they have to see that or can they read this gear issue and get enough to at least spark the curiosity? Yeah, we could always do a better job, man. And uh, we worked this year with our boats and motor section to, I had the writer um, actually put a, sentence or two at the at the bottom and we need to do an even better job of this saying what application what this this uh, boat and motor is actually best for to get people headed in the right direction there's absolutely um no way you could convey the fun the excitement of actually using one of these things they aren't just a tool you know everyone looks at them like i'm gonna have this kind of motor just so i can go where no one else can go but they're fun it's the same reason that off-road, four-wheel drive, four-wheeling is more fun than driving on concrete. These motors were just fun. If I had one, I'd run it. I'd find an excuse to run it all year. Yeah, you have to. And that's what I was noticing about what you wrote on, on, on the Gator Tail and some of these motors that are in here is it's it's kind of the same vibe is that will a person see this magazine being in July and August and say, I got to get into this. It might not be until next year that they actually pull the trigger, but the goal is to try to find a setup and get in there and at least get acquainted with it or have an experience to where they, they understand that this is a great way to waterfowl hunt. And I love having them out West because when, when we're, when we get into the waters that we have access to out here, I mean, we're, we could be in a river that's got 
you know, less than 12 inches of water that's got, you know, you're maneuvering around rocks and it looks like a whitewater, uh, you know, a whitewater rafting park or area of Colorado. And you're trying to get access to some sandbar or something to where, you know, the mallards are going to be. I do it on the Boise river. I do it on the snake river. And the access that I can get with the gator tail is a lot of people run jet boats, you know, on those bigger rivers. I like getting back into the offshoots and the oxbows, like we talked about and you, and, and being safe because it's big water and you got to have, you got to practice on it. And so that's, that's kind of where my experience is lying is that when I'm not in the timber or I'm not down in honey break running boats there, um, I'm, I'm in mostly rivers with, you know, shallow water because we don't have real big river systems out in Nevada. I mean, the snake's bigger than anything we got here. So we have a lot of different access that we are able to put these kind of motors to the test. And I think that what I really wanted to get across with this episode today is like Marty, you know, doing his, his deal with these boats. And I see how fired up he gets Mar- I don't know if Marty, if Marty didn't have boats, trust me, he would still find mallards, but I know that he enjoys it out of a boat more than anything. He's just got, I remember that last year, Skip, we're on a hunt in the timber and me and Marty had a long talk the night before because the forecast showed exactly what you don't want to see rain, low ceiling and lightning. And I'm like, Marty, are we really going to do this? He's like, Buck, he calls me Buck. He calls a lot of people, Buck. you're going to go over here. You're going to see this red flag. You're going to go right into this hole. And you're, and the first thing of lightning came down and hit. And I said, I'm out of here. And I started driving back and I, we hadn't even fired a shot. And I get right where Marty's coming out of the hole. He was in with his guest and he had five mallards. And I'm like, what the freak? Like he was, we were in a lightning. Remember this, remember this hunt, Marty? I do. It was a, it was a quick morning, but yeah, that was the, it was a lightning storm mallard hunt. But I, I, I think that even with, I, I wanted to make sure that we, we, we got that out of the way, the safety and the feeling that these boats give me. And I, I wanted to bring a manufacturer on here like Kyle, because I want, I want some knowledge, Kyle, of why, what is the, when Marty starts talking about the RPMs and the buildup and the squeeze, you know, and, and when you're using the acceleration system and platform on the gator tail, I, I like the way it's built. I like the way that it fills my hand. And here's why skip. I want you to hear this because this is a big deal on some of them. It's so touch pointy. Like if you just let off a little bit, it absolutely kills all the power. If you push too hard, it might scoot, uh, scoot on you and jump, make you jump a little bit before it really gets to that balance point of getting, you know, get getting on on a on a what i call level playing field and just scooting right and with this apparatus that they've built into the gator tail motors i always feel like i'm in control of my power level whether i'm decreasing or increasing it marty is that fair to say yeah oh there's no doubt about it i mean you know i'm just sitting here thinking about you know uh that's part of that control and that balance um you know one thing i love about it is, you know, something that even an outboard motor doesn't have, and it kind of makes you think, well, it'd be great if they did, is the forward and reverse. I mean, come on, man, a toggle switch or just a, a flick of a thumb. I mean, hey, that's convenient. Why am I still reaching back on an outboard motor for the side of it or even back midway up the handle? I mean, these guys got it to where it's a push of a thumb. I mean, they need to catch up on that. I that that That's just, I mean, how, it doesn't get any more convenient than that. Uh, no, there's there's a ton of things that are just convenient about them now. It's awesome. Yeah, they're popular all over the place. Oh, sorry, Chad, but um, I wanted to point out our friends at Backwater um, said more and more deer hunters are buying them in places like Minnesota. Yeah. Deer hunting. Yeah. Sure. Well, but, you know, one, one thing, Chad, you asked about, uh, does the magazine, can, can they direct the people the right way, you know? One thing that no matter what you put on paper that you can never replace is the fact that, you know, over here we have we have 42, 40, between 42 and 45 employees, you know, all local, hardworking, South Louisiana, American people that are putting these things together, you know, and look, man, every day, every week, there's a big number of these guys here that are in their own boats and own motors and they run and Whenever somebody calls over here, there's a problem, a question, a concern, we know how to answer that because we in them and we use them. And, you know, yeah, the, the price, you, you know, one thing I said earlier was they are expensive and it's a main, it's a commitment whenever you buy them. But because of who we are and, and our manufacturing process, it is going to cost more than if you're going to go and buy an imported outboard, an imported outboard motor 
uh, just what it is. You know, we, we try to buy all American products to, to, to assemble our motors, uh, American manufacturing. And, and like I said, I mean, you know, I had somebody here earlier today and he asked, you know, why Gator Tail? I said, why Gator Tail? I said, because any day of the week you can call that shop. And if you wanted to talk to me, you can't because I'm here, you know, uh, I'm here. If I'm not here, it's going to be somebody else that you can talk to. I'm here. My dad's here. You know, my dad's 73 years old. He's here every day. He's still part of, you know, he's co-owner, uh, head engineer on a lot of our projects. Uh, you know, I have a, a great group of people here that work here that's been here for 16 years. We know what we're doing and it's all by design. That's why we came out. With, that's why it's so comfortable to run. I mean, it's not just put it on paper and put it together and run it. It's, what we do okay so i want to uh, let's have a couple quick fire questions for you and marty uh the low the low this morning is going to be 35 degrees it can get that cold in arkansas it can get way cold in that sometimes i mean i've been the black cloud of louisiana the last couple years because we've hunted in snow and ice it was like the first state that i used ice eaters in for the year was arkansas and louisiana when you should be using them in different parts of the country but just weird how it played out sometimes 35 degrees low i get up when do I start that motor in accordance to when I want to take off from the ramp? I mean, dude, it, it's you, you can start ahead of time and let it warm up. But that's the beauty of the EFI these days is the same way you start your car or your truck whenever you go out there. I mean, you start it up, you let it, you let it warm up a little while and you roll. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you, 10 years ago, you wouldn't do that with the carburetor because you want to make sure it was good and warm and it wouldn't start, start falling in its face. But I mean, that's the evolution of the motor. It's not just us at Briggs and Stratton with the 40 horse EFI Vanguard. I mean, everybody has come a long way to make this a better machine. Marty, you have, you have let's say, timber with you. Where in your experience have you found to be the safest place to carry your dog when you're op if you're the operator and you're in that boat by yourself, where's the safest place for that dog to sit that you've come accustomed to? Well, I like my dog close to me because uh, I can control him. And uh, we do travel, you know, every morning in the dark. We have enough things, you know, enough obstacles, you know, trees, you get ice, you get wind, you have new limbs in places. You got, normally you've got, I have people in the boat with me. I'm watching their eyes. Um, you know, they have a tendency to gawk at what's going on. A lot of them, it's new for them. And I mean, so I like my dog close which is one of the nice things, um, the handle length, um, it keeps it, you know, more in the outboard range. They don't come into the boat where, um, you know, I keep my dog actually sat just either to my immediate left on the seat or down on the floor. Um, and I can still operate the motor just fine. And that, that's, you know, that, that, I think on the stand-up models, Kyle, and I'm there again, I'm, I'm not a technical guy. I just remember different times I used one. Um, that handle was much longer. It projected into the boat a long ways. And when you try, you know, when you, when you had to steer or turn sharp, you had to give up a lot of boat. Uh, you couldn't necessarily have a, a bag of decoys or something right back there with the driver because it would literally um, – you know, be in the way. I mean, so um, that's another great feature that really I'm just kind of thinking about my experiences and driving them is that you can use all your boat hole, haul, excuse me, including where my dog sits and they don't become a hindrance uh, to the handle. You can still make a complete right turn, which is allowing your, your left arm to be fully extended and make a comfortable turn to the right. Uh, I remember years ago that not being a, a, necessarily an easy thing to do because you had to clear anything that was in your way to get that motor handle all the way to the right side to well, be the left side of the boat so well, not not um, only that marty but um with our handles whenever you hit something the handle is free floating and it'll up 90 degrees and you know i've heard horror stories from people that ran other brands of motors where that dog would be standing right where you're saying and that motor that motor hit something and that that handle comes down and hits that dog. And I've heard people losing dogs over that. Yeah. I, I, and look, I don't know that happens often, but I specifically remember a conversation with a customer. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that fixed, that fixed handle purchased our motor. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's that old fixed handle I'm thinking of. I never really thought about the fact that and look, know, to, even, up and down. 
even today, there's competitors out there that their handles do not do not fold up completely. They just give a little bit when you hit something, but it can still. I mean, ours will give ninety degrees completely fold out of the way. If you hold on to that handle and you hit something, the handle's gonna go up and it's about to hit that dog on the side of you, which is a very important safety factor, you know. Yeah. Kyle, if we're in the White River in Arkansas and we're in a pretty good depth, let's say we're in 14 to 18 feet of water, it's probably going to be deeper than that, but we're trying to get to the shallows or the offshoots of where the ducks are. Where do I want that prop in, in alignment with that water level to get the maximum speed, rooster tail, and maximum carry potential out of the motor and boat combo? What you want is whenever you're running, you, you, you're going to want the, um, the rooster tail just slightly above the air breather on the motor or a little bit under it. Um, and that again, I mean, look, it's not always a factor of where the motor is to make the boat the fastest. You, you're going to trim the motor to where it's the easiest to drive and the most efficient. You know, it's like anybody who's been around a boat, you'll know once you run them long enough, you're going to feel where, yeah, this motor feels the best right here. The boat feels like it's performing the best. It might not be necessarily trimmed up as high as it can and in the best exact speed, but you want to trim it to according to your load and safety issues, not so much to where it's going to run the fastest. And and you, but that's a, usually a rule of thumb. You know the the the, uh, the rooster tail about even with the top of the motor, maybe a little bit on. Marty, one of the coolest things about this type of motor setup with the boat combination is the ability to not have to get out and walk the last 150 yards into the hole when, um, you might have a full boat of decoys. You might have your dog in there, all of your gear, whatever you have in there. It can be tiresome and it could take a while, depending on how many stumps you might hit a stump, rip your waders. This is giving us so much gentleman hunt qualities of literally being able to get through a ditch on a run and then pull up to a hole where we know the water level's getting ready to be just inches. And we just scoot in there a little bit. And now we're just, we're literally leaning over the hole of the boat, taking our decoys out and throwing them and putting our guns on our hooks on the trees. And the motors, the motors just sitting there right there just you know in a few inches of water that to me is one of the coolest things of when you're thinking about this when you're looking at the wildfowl gear issue keep in mind of how accessible you're going to be and when your time is of the essence you want to get in there and get them and you want to get out and let them rest i don't know if there's a better way to hunt them than this combination would you agree marty oh yeah i can think of a specific there again and 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 i i don't want to try to beat y'all or the listeners to death with examples, but that's just where my mind goes. That's how my mind works. So um, as you were talking about the ease, it made me think of two things. First of all, if you remember asking me if I still get giddy about duck hunting, I get real giddy when I don't have to walk in <laughs> at 47 years old. I lose a little giddy when some 28, 18 year old, I got a 21 year old at the house tells me it's only a mile and a half walk in. <laughs> There's no that goes with a mile and a half, okay? No. So, anyways, the specific example that I was thinking of, and, and uh, I can't remember if we were in the cypress hole or if we were in the billy hole, but, um, you know, it's a great example of when we come down that main chute at Prairie Wings and, um, you know, we got water levels that you have to walk, you know, and it, getting yourself in is one thing, but, you know, you got your decoys and, you know, we're all 47 and older. Usually we got muck seats now and just, you know, we got a lot of lazy gear and it's, it's heavy dog stands, you, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and, and, you know, with, with the gator tail, that's, that's a specific hole I can think of that without that single piece of equipment, you're walking another 400 yards. Period. 100%, period. There, there's no, there's there, there, that, that, or, your alternative, which is not fun either, is to trim your outboard motor all the way up, get out, and push your boat in, which is twice as much not as fun as just walking in. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, 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 there's no doubt about it. I mean, um, they, they can be true lifesavers. I mean, you know, when you think about weather conditions, you know, things start freezing up. You know, they're just so much – they're just so much more rugged – I agree. Kyle, talk to me a little bit about boat etiquette. We've had, I've heard in like states of Arkansas lately about people 
have a problem with two things sometimes, and it's always this type of motor and boat combo, and it's always the spinning wing. We know what's happened to the spinning wing on public areas and WMAs in states like Arkansas, different states out west. You can't use them until a certain date in December. Some states you can't use them at all unless they're wind dated. Um, I'm talking about obviously spinning wings, mojos, but is there an issue with this type of motor? Is it too loud? Does it let you just, if you have etiquette and respect for your fellow duck hunter, one of the complaints I've heard is that ducks can't raft because we can get in and get so close to them. And these guys are running them everywhere, looking for holes and they might disrupt the natural you know, presence of where the ducks want to be, or you're messing up another group's hunt because the motor's too loud. Do you hear this? And how do we educate the general public and the duck hunters that are looking to get into this, this lifestyle and culture that it's, that they're okay. And that they're, that they can be used in the right way. Does that question make sense? Yeah, Chad, look, in the world we live in today, we, we don't have enough time to talk about the, the proper ethics and everything else, you know, but that's what it boils down to. If we, we can do as much to this unit as we can, as the person that's operating it, who's, is who's going to cause the problem. You know, um, if it's whenever it's used as the tool it was intended to be used for, it, it is, it's, it's, it can't hurt anything, okay? Uh, whenever you people are going to go and put aftermarket exhaust on them and make them loud and, and, and do other things to them, that's where it creates a problem. Um, it's as simple as it's as simple as if this motor is used in stock form, then it, it's no louder than everybody who uses a ZTR mower to cut grass and, and it's the same engine. And it's at, at every residential and government agency where they cutting with ZTRs and, and everything else. Um, look, man, I, you know, in the, in the world we live in today, if there's a bad duck season, they want to blame it on something, okay? It's mother, mother nature, and that's just how it happens. You know, we're going to have good seasons. We're going to have bad seasons. If everything was good, they wouldn't have to be blaming any, any, anything about it, you know? Um, I think that this motor, um, it, it does does more more good than harm. Um, you know, we, I mean, perfect example, man, I've been hunting the same duck lease in South Louisiana for, uh, I guess almost 20 years, I guess, uh, if not more. Uh, and we've been running these same boats and, and for that many years and our hunting, we had great years and we had bad years and we've been running the same things in the same place. And, and it's, so it's not because of motors that, that the birds are disturbed. It's just because of the natural cycle, um, and, and and I, you know, I, I truly do not believe that 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 these hurt. Um, what can hurt is if people are in areas where birds should be resting, they need to let them rest. You know, what I mean, and that's and that's just that that's you guys. That's 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 not that's not. I can't I can't make an opinion on that because my area where I hunt is not there. You know, I just know where I am, where I personally am is that it doesn't it doesn't hurt marty can you take that a step further or put your two cents into what you've seen because you hunt public you hunt private you hunt different parts of the state of arkansas which is considered the the duck capital of the world right the and even though louisiana has the highest harvest rate usually every year of overall ducks arkansas is right there for mallards every year right it's always in the top two do you, is my question make sense to you, Marty Hedge? Yeah. Oh, you hear it all the time. I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, I, so I'm, I'm not a boat race guy. So, you know, I want to make that real clear because there's a lot of guys that, um, spend a lot of money, a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I read their, some of their, um, blogs and follow on Facebook, you know, and they're, you know, they're probably more opinionated on this subject than I am. Um, there again, from personal experience, um, three of the best duck seasons of my life were had with every member of the club running a hyperdrive mo boat motor. Um, you know, I think that that speaks volumes. I've killed a lot of ducks. I've hunted them for every day for, <laughs> I don't know, what, 15, 20 seasons now all over the place. And I can honestly tell you that probably the three most consistent years 
of killing mallard ducks took place on the White River with everybody getting to that hole in a hyperdrive or, you know, mud motor. Hmm. So, it's very you know, I mean, that that's there again. That's my personal experience. Um, you know, so I, I don't I don't see where, you know, it, it, it affected. It, it didn't affect our hunting. And I think that things come, I think that anything, you know, I think that things come um, with a price. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate that, that, that analogy, but look, look, I look at it this way. So some people are going to argue that the, 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 that the, that the, they're a little louder than the regular outboard and they're going to run off ducks. Well, do you want that? Or do you want, I've sat next to 10 and 20,000 ducks raft up because nobody can get to them. So, I mean, you can look at it from both sides. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, they allow people to go in and get ducks up that I can't get to that I don't necessarily want to sit there for two weeks or three weeks. I'm trying to, you know, pull ducks off the edge. So, you know, I mean... Um, uh, and and Marty, I don't want to I don't want to cut you off, but something that that and Chad and something that that evolved at the same time. And I tell this to a lot of people when I'm asked this question. Okay? Gator Tail started at the same time as Gator Tail, Facebook, and Google Maps, and it all happened at the same time. And you know that brings people into areas that they didn't see before that see social media lets people see that this one is killing birds and they can put two and two together. So they want to go to areas that they never wanted to go to before. And it just, man, it's, you know, we, we, we get in a bad rap sometimes because of it, but look, that's, that's our new generation of duck hunters. And I welcome that generation because we want the sport. Our, our sport is a dying sport, you know, and we want the new people in it. The problem was that, we don't have a way to teach the new generation or that the, they don't probably know the way to do it. Okay. And, and that is what's most important is, you know, you, they have to understand the, the correct way to do it. What is the, the proper ethics? What is, when should I run in? When should I run out? That's things that the same way if somebody from Louisiana just got up and says, I'm going on the white, you know, or, or the cash or whatever it may be, they don't know the proper way to do it. So whenever he's going to get up there, if he's running one of ours, he's going to look like the one that's not, that's, that's doing it wrong, you know? And that's, that's part of, and, and, and we, as, as being the manufacturer, whatever we have to do to, 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 to help educate the right way to do it, we all part, you know, and, and exactly Marty, like you said, if you can't get to those birds and they sit in there, they're going to stay there. Okay. But now whenever you can go, instead of, instead of it being a hole that, your grandpa showed you many years ago that nobody knew how to get to. It's as simple as pulling up Google Google Earth or Google Maps or whatever one it is. And you look at it and you're like, man, there's a hole right there. Yeah, I can bring my boat in it. Now you get to see that where before you couldn't do that. So you wouldn't, you were never having a boat trying to get there unless it was somebody that knew that hole. And that was so look, a lot has happened at the same time. And 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 unfortunately, sometimes we're the ones that get the bad rap for it. Skip, I think there's an article in what Kyle and Marty just touched on right there with Google Maps, all of these apps that you can access places, um, the the social media and the influence of how everybody's getting them and they want to put that pile pick on there. People put two and two together. I think there's something there, Skip. You might have already written it, but Skip, are you on the same lines? You're in the media. You you do a lot of rider hunts. You meet a lot of different individuals. Is it is how important is ethics in this game, Skip? And how how do we get that word out that we have to start respecting each other? Because this is a privilege. It's not an entitlement. And it's going to be a hunter that gets it taken away from us if we keep disrespecting the resource and our in our fellow hunter brothers and sisters. Would you agree with that, Skip? Yeah, and it's like absolutely probably the biggest way to turn people off to hunting or hunters or to the sport is to show disrespect for other people. And, you know, some people say these motors that, um, Kyle makes are really loud, but you've ever, you remember that photo we were looking at Chad? Yeah. Salt Lake. Yeah. It's all, um, 
um, airboats. And I mean, they're deafening. And uh, they have to put earmuffs on their dogs on those boats. So everything's relative, you know. And you just have to show courtesy and respect for other people. You hear these nightmare stories of duck hunters at boat ramps beating each other with mag lights in the dark, you know, over uh, over duck holes. And it's that all that has to go away. It's no secret the world is is getting more more crowded. You know, they say there's fewer hunters in our sport, but everywhere we go, we tend to see more. I got to revisit the South Texas marsh of my youth a couple of years back, and there were people everywhere and duck blinds everywhere. And there hadn't been when I was a kid even though they said they had three times as many duck hunters back then, you know? So it's absolutely critical to show respect for other people and, and to turn your boat off and not drive through someone's spread, you know, it, it's absolutely essential to the moving forward for all of us. I agree a hundred percent. I think that we've done a good job of showing what the wildfowl gear is. You can do for the potential boat and motor consumer, the person that's got curiosity, somebody, if they could watch Marty Hetch navigate the flooded timber of Arkansas on this boat and the way he maneuvers with his motor and his boat handle and the gator tail, it's a sight to see. It's awesome. It's humbling because you want to get there. You want to get to the major leagues of boat operation. I truly feel that when I'm in the Atlantic ocean off of Fort Lauderdale or Boca Raton or Bemidji in the Bahamas, and we're chasing sailfish and I see these guys that it's like a surgical operating room of the kites are out and they're spotting these sailfish from the towers and the race is on and they cast out and they nail them and they take a quick way a quick shot of them to prove that they got it by keeping it in the water they let it go and they're on to the next one and it's just so humbling to see how many awesome things are out in this world that if we just respect people and understand that there there is a different way to hunt it might not be your way but if you could see it done right it's going to hook you in an instance in this magazine the wildfowl gear issue for the 2021 duck season and goose season is the first step in that of saying, hey, I'm going to call up Kyle and the crew down at Gator Tail, Louisiana. I'm going to look up Marty Hesh and find him on Instagram or Facebook and send him a private message and then get his cell phone number and then beg to come sit on his boat and watch him navigate the timber of Arkansas as he chases the mallard duck with his dog Timber and it's soon to be in heat. I mean, I can't, I just love that message. It's going to be a a great, when, when will they be born? Well, let's see. That puts them at, uh, what are we going to be in June, July? So I guess that's going to be February. February. Exactly what we said when we were in camp. Yeah. So I want to I get a male. I want a black male. And I'm going to name him Izzy because I have Axel, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. I have a yellow lab named Duff, who's the bass player of Guns N' Roses. I have a black lab in Minnesota right now with Wild Acre named Slash, who's the lead guitarist and the best guitarist of all time, potentially. Axel's the best lead singer of all time. And that's where I'm leading into. This is going to be Izzy, who's the original rhythm guitarist of Guns N' Roses. Izzy Straddling. And that brings me to our ending of I've Promised the World. I've been on the phone. And one of the coolest things about Louisiana is Zydeco music. And Kyle has volunteered to demonstrate singing a Zydeco music song from the southern part of Louisiana. Kyle, take it away. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a lot of things I can do, but that's not one of them. <laughs> All right. Well, then watch this, Kyle. There is a blind piano player that has 39 number one hits in the country music genre, oh, number man. three of all time. I'm going to get you to do it. <laughs> I will tell you guys this, that one of the best things in duck camp in history of all of American duck camp is Marty Hesh with sunglasses on at midnight doing there's a stranger in my house on his granite countertop at duck camp in Arkansas. It's a sight to see. He knows every word by heart. There's a stranger in my house. Someone that I can't see. Guys, thank you so very much. This culture is so humbling. We're truly so blessed to meet friends through our industry, through our duck camps, to be in Arkansas at Prairie Wings and to have fried bologna and grits and Mr. Billy's hot sauce and over medium eggs cooked to order and the boat rides, the dogs, the ducks, Max Prairie Wings, Gator tail, edge duck boats, Cajun food, culture, Little Rock. There's songs about Little Rock. Reba, Colin Ray, 
Hayes Carl, it's a great state. Louisiana, I can't even start even to talk about culture in Louisiana. Jerry Jeff Walker wrote Mr. Bojangles after a drunk night in New Orleans, which is one of the biggest hits of the Rat Pack and Sammy Davis Jr. There's so much culture in this little tiny thing we call duck hunting. And I just touched on two states and just talked for 40 seconds, and I literally could go read a book on all of that. That's what's so special about meeting people. I'm so blessed to be able to meet Marty and to have the times that we have and to have an association with Kyle and, and and the Broussard family and the Gator Tail Nation and Skip Knowles, who is who is responsible for some of the best writing in the past twenty years that duck hunters hang on to and dig their fingernails into to get them through this time of year, these dog days of summer. So again, it's not preaching, it's not being on a soapbox, it's about seeing the culture and the majesty of what a mallard duck or a duck blind can do to a returning veteran from war or a sick kid that we got to take from St. Jude's in the Ronald McDonald house, the therapy it provided for that kid, Grant and his father. And then just know that just a little time in a duck boat on a duck ride to see that dog, the anticipation and Marty's petting Timber's head and just knowing what's getting ready to happen. Not to mention Zach Brown or Drake White or Leith Lofton or somebody sitting around a campfire picking freaking chicken fried or there you go making me look good again or what you going to do when the money's all gone. I got goosebumps, no pun intended, thinking about how special this American lifestyle of the American duck hunter, Canadian duck hunter, world duck hunter is. Kyle Broussard, Gator Tail, thank you very much. Any closing words? Thank y'all very much for having me, guys. I very much enjoyed it. There's nothing better than talking about duck hunting, guys. Thank you for such a great product. Thank you for being part of the 2020-21 Wildfowl Gear Issue. Marty Hesch, one of my duck hunting heroes and good friends who I surely have not seen enough in the past six months, which really irritates me. Do you have any closing words? Man, I think it'd be an injustice to not say something to skip. Um, you want to talk about how powerful Wildfowl Magazine's been in my life. I live where I live. I hunt where I hunt. I work and own the two businesses I own because of Wildfowl Magazine. I'll give you a Reader's Digest version, Skip. Left South Bend, Indiana with three buddies going to Hubby Lake in Indiana. Got froze out. Moved down to uh, Real Foot. They were froze up. We didn't have anywhere to go. I opened my Wildfowl Magazine and located a man in Hoxie, Arkansas. Made a phone call out of my Wildfowl Magazine. He got us in. I hunted for the weekend, fell in love, came back for seven years every year to duck hunt, and then found a love of my life. And I've lived here for 21 years, thanks to Wildfowl Magazine. So <laughs> yes, that's, what, said, that's what Wildfowl Magazine means to me and my and my family. Thanks so much, Marty. He said for 20 years, the, the magazine's over 30 years old now. There's a quite a legacy there. And, um, you know, just talking to you guys has been really fun. It's uh, it's just a reminder that it is, in fact, a great time to be a duck hunter. And the good old days are now in many regards. And uh, I'm grateful to be a part of it as well. Chad got me so fired up. He always does with that diatribe. And it's just a great time to be a duck hunter. You can uh, seriously endanger your marriage with the length of the seasons we have now. <laughs> and then you're throwing the stogies and everything else. It's just crazy. And, uh, Chad, I want to appreciate um say I appreciate you pointing out I didn't realize that duck hunting has made me a kind of a foodie I love camp food getting to go down where Kyle lives and getting a giant salt fried soft shell crab sandwich man and the poor boys with two pounds of shrimp on them for like eight bucks yeah that's a big part of it the culinary culture I love it 100 percent 2020 21 wildfowl gear issue 196 pages i term this skip stole it from me the waterfowlers bible when i'm talking to gentlemen from the south and the southeast and what we have termed the bible belt we do not take that word lightly but this has become the bible for duck and goose hunters so skip kudos to you and your crew to chuck the designer the master designer laden force everybody at osg outdoor sportsman's group sportsman's channel outdoor channel world fishing network thank you to all of Cronky enterprises and what they do to support the american hunter fisher conservationist outdoorsman i'm chad belding this has been another episode of the foul life podcast powered by wild foul magazine and the wild foul iconic brand get your gear issue right now let's get ready for duck season let's get in the boat let's get the duck camp let's sing a song and as a matter of fact we're going to play you a song tom hit that button this is my main man leith lofton aka hosh written by leith lofton and drake white what you going to do when the money's all gone we'll be back with you guys next week i'd rather be poor living off in a hole rich as hell without
thousand souls. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Tell me now.